all. Welcome to Internet DNA. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So, unsurprisingly, today we're going to talk about our New Year's resolutions and our thoughts and properties for the year ahead. My my main thing that is featuring right now in the New Year is I'm doing Dry January, which isn't particularly tech-based. No. And it was... Well, actually, the reason I decided to do it is because it was quite a scary thought. But now I've started, it's not so bad. But I thought I'd look up, before I started, I thought I'd look up some apps to help me with it. It just really made me laugh. If someone can find or make a decent dry January app, then let me know. But there was things like... Well, I'm sure I can make an app. And then you just open it, it says, don't have that drink. (laughs) Well, that would be a lot better because one of them was, well... When you've drunk lots, yeah. go and document what you've drunk. Well, yeah, no, drunk um, and I can't remember. Ralph had one of those, and well, I probably shouldn't have mentioned his first name. And he he was like, "Look, I've drunk seventy five units less this month than last month." But for for me, that's not really dry January. Dry January is no units for the exactly. whole month. Exactly. So this one was try and remember what you have drunk, which yeah. is a bit of an oxymoron in itself. And then the next one was write down the days that you haven't drunk. And I'm thinking, well, I can remember those because I haven't drunk. So that's yeah. useless as well. And then another one said, hang out on the leaderboard with your friends that aren't drinking as well. I'm thinking, God, that's enough to start me drinking again. It's yeah, just and then this a list is my of thing about people that January. haven't drunk. Yeah, this is my thing about dry January, which is it's basically, and not maybe in your case, but it's basically uh, an alcoholic's guilt management system. <laughs> well, if there was an app called that, maybe I would use it. <laughs> but may, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I, I, actually, I mean, I just don't drink very much at all. I don't need a dry January because sort of I'm more pretty much dry as it as it is. So. Okay, well, I need a dry January, and it's quite interesting because it's not that it's that difficult. It's that it was a habit, and it was a crutch, and it was just something I did in the evening. But the moment I change that glass of wine for a glass of tonic, it makes no difference to my life whatsoever. But the thought of doing that was quite scary. The actually doing it isn't. Anyway, what I wanted from an app was something that... Would say, well done. Yeah, said, well done. No, didn't even say well done. Sort of recorded how much better life was for me so possibly uh, how much better my health was how much better my sleep was and I wanted it to do it automatically which I know maybe I need a watch but I wanted it to just magically be able to know all these things without me having to go and write it down because that slightly defeats the object of the exercise every every technologist nightmare go and write it down well no I want something to auto magically know everything about me. Well, you know that's difficult because we need to we need the data to play with. But well, uh, yeah, not, get a not, watch. Not good enough. So next no. year, I want some apps that are magic. What about? Have you got any tech New Year's resolutions? Then you're obviously not doing dry January. No, I yeah my my resolution for this year is to put everything into Git. So um, even the things that I don't think need to go into Git, just anything I do is going to get versioned and managed properly so that so I don't... you can just become one big git yeah well yeah more than i already am yeah basically <laughs> yeah versioning you, everything. sorry that that was just that was just asking for no i mean i did a... i did step on that fruit. Line. yeah I did step <laughs> on that line. so um uh, i guess 
because I find most of my problems are due to either myself or other people changing things on the servers. So I'm then overwrite something that somebody else has already written. Um, isn't, because, isn't the cloud, as we talked about last week, solving all these problems for you? Yeah, anyway? but I have a local dev version of all my sites that I have on my computer. And so I work on those. And I don't always download from the server because it just seems madness to download an entire site back onto your machine when you should have the latest version. But then uh, someone who hasn't touched the site in a year and a half has suddenly changed it while you're doing yeah. it. Exactly, or some <laughs> some plugin has altered some file somewhere. I can and see so, the pain. Yeah, and so it's this making sure that I have everything's in Git, so I know what the what the one on the server should look like, what all the, everybody else is using. They're just going to use the Git repository, and they're going to pull from the Git repository so that it's the latest version for everybody, rather than what happens currently which is just that's pretty good that's yeah. pretty good but to do that with everything as well so um files uh, not just web stuff you know other types of files that i keep on my computer and yeah get everything get everything yeah version everything so there we go my new years i'm going to do more of is adobe xd i.e the sketch for pc users yeah, now no. I, I haven't used Adobe XD much. I had just started, and it's it's fantastic. It it is Sketch, really. It is is really great. As obviously, I I do prototyping, I do websites, I I do apps, and I'm really enjoying it. And need to know more, and start need to start finding it as comfortable as Photoshop and Illustrator. And is this a wireframing app, basically, like a yes, process wireframing yes, app? Exactly, okay. wireframing and prototyping. So, if I was a Mac user. I could, I've been drinking already this morning. If I was a Mac, is going well. <laughs> if I was a Mac user, I could use Envision Studio. I could use Sketch. Now, part of me feels there's a monopoly going on, and that Mac is possibly. This is only my opinion, obviously. Paying these companies a lot of money not to put them on PCs, so all designers have to move to Mac. But I haven't, and although I've thought about it, I'm still on PC, and I do feel we are slightly penalized. So appreciated Adobe um, for this, and I'm gonna be using it more. I'm enjoying creating a prototype for a new digital product at the moment on it, and hopefully that's gonna become of more use in the future. So that's my thing that I'm yeah, gonna spend more use, time I think in. we use, I'm gonna call it Wireframe Pro, but that might not be its name, but it's just a web version, so it's available for all systems. But it's got some really nice thing where you, you Basically, you build it out in a process, and then it will show you what what happens at this part of the journey, and so forth. And then you build out everything as as uh, almost like widgetized little elements, and then you can stick all the widgetized elements together to make pages. Um, oh, I haven't come across that. So, it is Wireframe Pro? Is it? I think so. I'll have to check what it's actually called because um, I've used a lot of them in the past, and that's just what name that's popping in my head at the moment. Yeah. I think it's called Mockflow, actually. Yes, that could be it. Mockflow. Okay, well, I might take a look at that as well, just in case. But I'm enjoying yeah. being yeah. able to use the software that I have felt excluded from for a while. Perfecto. And then my other resolution is to go serverless as far as I can. So all my new sites are going to be serverless. How about that? Beyond the cloud and out into space. Uh, that's basically instead of using a server, 
it's quite a, we could probably talk about this in a separate episode what is serverless but you just use the computer resources rather than running a server so remember last week we were saying you have to buy in the old days you had to buy a big server and sometimes you only needed a little server and but you had to buy the one that for the most amount of traffic that you got and so then most of the time it was useless so now we say oh well you can have lots of little servers and we'll just expand as and when we need them and then the next step from that is we don't have any servers we literally just run any compute file so any php script we just run directly off a compute and then we only pay for specifically the amount of computing time we use is and, that theoretically quicker then than having servers around the world in the yeah cloud? well first it auto scales so it you don't have to worry about it secondly you don't have to have any sysops running a server trying to reconfigure your servers and manage all of that nonsense and patching in updating the servers that's not you don't have to worry about that at all and uh, certainly on on aws there's a huge they give you the the free tier is massive so we could probably run all our sites maybe not all our sites but let's say 80% of our site traffic for free because the free tier is so so generous on AWS um, and I'm sure it's the same on on Google Cloud and maybe Azure as well so serverless yeah because I don't different want, I don't from like rudderless. I, the bit I yeah. really hate about my job is managing servers and updates and and configuring things but I thought the point of being in the cloud was you weren't doing that anyway well, you still have to, so um, when you're on the cloud in that sense, uh, you have to understand the difference between being on the cloud and being in the cloud. So AWS manage all the cloud stuff, but if you provision a server on there, that's just like you had a server. So you still have to configure that server to run as you want. Now, you basically what you do is you configure it once and then you save it as a machine image and then when you launch all the new ones you say use that machine image but you still have to like when there's updates you then have to update that machine image and so that they re update when they update it is it's still a lot of sysops you can't get away from it with servers so um yeah so there's that. i'd like to i think next week we need to get away from the servers and cloud altogether I yeah think, i think so we seem I. to be going down it seems to be your love well it's not my love but it's a lot large <laughs> part of my work so yeah um, but get. yeah, we should get away from it. We should get away from that. But what's your prophecy for 2019? Where is the world going in three minutes? <laughs> Multi-channel, I think, is this year's thing to abstract away what we think of as, I guess at the moment, you, you build a content management system and you say, and here is the website. And they're kind of linked together. But I think what will slowly start to happen this year is people will start have, using what's known as a headless CMS. So it's just a content management system. And then if you want your social, it to show up on your social or you want it to sit in an app or you want to syndicate the content or as in how the content is delivered is then separated completely from the content management system. So you'll build a separate little web app to pull the data, the, the content in, or you'll push it out to your website, or it will run your newsletter. So all the content's managed in one place. So this and is a bit like Hootsuite, but not sticking to social media. Yeah, uh, exactly. Working across all your digital platforms. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. Okay, that's quite interesting. 
So uh, the market leader kind of at the moment, I would guess, would be something like Butter CMS. Okay. Um, it's pure and headless. And it's called a headless CMS. Yeah, which basically means that there's no theme part of it. The theme side of it, as you know, in WordPress, that's yeah. not there. It's literally just the back end. And then you build whatever you want on the front end or connect it to something else to deliver it, the content. So then the content's properly abstracted out. And then you can connect to it via an API. Or your website, your app, all your social media, yeah, exactly. um, and possibly even pushing it to, um, well, you said newsletters, you could even push it to desktop publishing software, couldn't you? Yeah, if you exactly, to. exactly that. So you want to bang it out into Adobe InDesign, not a problem, you set up the templates in InDesign and import via the API the content. So that is proper multi-channel. That is very interesting. Oh, it is. And, uh, and something I expect we'll see and hear more of over the years. So Yeah, because at the moment we manage our content in space. lots of different places. And that leads to issues of replication or non-standardization of the way we deliver content. So I think that's the way it's going to move. Obviously, I work in publishing, so that's my prophecy for publishing, is the transition to headless. Well, my, it's, I'm, this isn't so much as a prophecy as a personal mission. And that's, yeah. I want to put the design back into design thinking. Design thinking, user experience design, all these things that design in are fantastic, but they're becoming uh, very technical because of the amount of people that have to be involved in it. And the yeah. design is becoming a smaller and smaller part of it, and it's all becoming about function and wireframe. And there's something to be said of the brilliance and workability not just saying it from a design point of view but design is still important and I feel that its weight needs to be lifted a bit within these design methodologies so that's what I'm going to be working towards yeah I mean I think that probably what's happened to the web is it's all become due to things like bootstrap and all these sort of um, CSS libraries and frameworks change the colors change the images but the sites are all starting to look very similar in the main obviously there are still some fantastic sites out there but I find that a lot of it is very formulaic and that's because I don't want to write 12,000 lines of CSS or SAS or less or whatever in order to generate a decent looking site so I'm just gonna load in some framework like bootstrap and then I'm gonna alter the bits I want to alter and that tends to lead to a sites looking quite samey. I mean, that's for the smaller sites, I agree. Um, but, but large businesses and digital products, it's more to do with the, the research on what has been and therefore staying safe, removing the risk. Creating yeah, something a, new a, is a little bit risky, but I think it's also needed. I think from a, from a corporate point of view, that's, that's, you know, the mitigation of risk is quite important. And also, there's a certain argument that says cars would be really awkward to drive if the, if the things weren't in the same place all the time. So when we started building cars, the brake might be on the, hat, on the steering wheel and the clutch might be a lever on the... And, and that's really awkward. So then it, there's a certain amount of standardization in functionality, and I'm, I'm a real stickler for this, which is, I mean, and you know this don't make me think thing, which is, if there are already known ways in which we do things, even if you've got a way that might be slightly better, if it confuses the user because that's not what they're used to, 
it's still hard to push that through, especially in a corporate environment, because they'll be like, it's just confusing people. It's not that it's not better. So we know in keyboards that the QWERTY keyboard was designed so that... Slowed on, you down. Slow, yeah, so that on old mechanical typewriters, you didn't jam keys. But it hasn't changed because everybody's used to the QWERTY keyboard. And so even if you had a better keyboard, like a Dvorak or whatever they call them, it, it it never gets it never gets taken up not because it's not better but because users aren't used to it so you have to be slightly careful when you reinvent the wheel yeah i think that keyboard issue i think it will change uh, but you're right H- how i don't know because it's a bit like changing cars driving from one side of the road to the other which countries have done but you can't do it slowly you have no. to do it very quickly and it yeah, would be the and, same and with you've the keyboard got to accept that you're going to have a couple of months of road accidents because the guy turns out of his drive and he turns left without crossing the road. He's done that for 20 years. yeah. And he, he's just not got his brain running this morning. And he's going to turn out and turn left without crossing the road because we've changed the side of the road. Straight Hopefully, traffic. the keyboard would be less dangerous than that. But, no, but, but maybe I mean, not. Maybe it would make people so cross that they'd go out and... I'm just trying to illustrate a point, things. which is it's not, it's not risk-free to... No. We've, we've, we've gone off on a tangent a bit there. Yeah, but we always do. <laughs> but coming back to your, we need the steering wheel in the same place and the gears in the same place. Yeah. And therefore, you're saying we need the menus in the same place and the, and the banners and the actions in the same place. Well, just take a think back to Flash and how we had moving menus and hidden menus. <laughs> and maybe with the, in fact, 2019, I think we'll see a lot more of CSS client-side animation within our websites. And so maybe we'll see a little bit of these yeah, really difficult to use menus. We're going to go back to the car analogy. You can design the outside of the car however you like, but actually the user or the UX has to be fairly standardized. So, yeah, you want to put banners in different places, and I'm absolutely cool with that. But um, you want to change how people log in to some weird other login system. People are used to where things are, and... I mean, I've, I'm amazed when we do testing when there can be a big orange button saying, press me, and half the people were going, I don't know what to press because it's in a different place. It's, well, that it's really is where user experience design and testing is fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. that, that is where it really, really works and never, ever assume anything. And that's yeah. what I love about that technical and, and research and less visual side of, of, of what we're putting into the websites. They, it's not where they expect it. They just almost can't see it. I had that on BT chat yesterday. It was so annoying. I had to wait seven and a half minutes for them to come and say hi. They said hi. I said hi. I clicked submit my hi. Yeah. But the button was in the wrong place, so I'd clicked exit message, and I closed <laughs> the whole thing down. Because the button was right under high, that button, whereas the submit button was far away on the right-hand side of my screen because I had it fully open. So then I had to open it up and wait for another seven minutes. So that's probably a bit of what we call dark UI right there. But they wanted me to do that. Well, you know, it's like the yes, please in a big button in green and then some tiny text off to the left saying no, thank you. Yeah. It's all designed to make you press yes, please. You know, because I didn't know that they didn't want to speak to me. Although when I did finally speak well, to them, they said, "They said here's a phone number." 
humans are still useful. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're going to have to close it for today. We okay. are going to move on to CSS animation and all sorts of different animations oh. that are finally coming back, having yes. had a very sort of deserted void when we lost Flash for, I don't know, is it a decade now? So we're going to have a chat about no that bad thing, year. to be honest. Let's be honest about Flash. I mean, I loved it at the time, but looking back... It's going to be... I bet there's uh, new web designers and, and graphic designers and things who don't even know the word Flash. Oh, I mean, I go... Um, I don't know if you spend a lot of time on CodePen, but um, wow, you can do some amazing animation now just using HTML and SVG. And you just, can. And that's oh what I'm really God. excited to talk about, actually. And, and, and hopefully... Well, maybe that would be my 2020 New Year's resolution to start doing more. Yeah. Anyway, have a great 2019. I will. I will uh, do my well at my dry January, and I'll speak to you next, next Bye, week. Bye, everyone. Bye.